When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. And the ball game's over, and the Giants have won Super Bowl 46. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. We keep from high, and I'm bound to keep on riding. I got one more silver dollar, but I'm not gonna let them catch me, no. Not gonna let them catch the midnight rider. Chris, let's go! Up, I was bound to do it one of these days. 12.02, that's right, it's 12 o'clock. On Thursday already, we are are racing towards the finish line this week. We are headed to Super Bowl Sunday. We got a couple of stops before we get there, though. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you for the next five hours. And our five-hour midnight ride, Alex on the other side. And it's me and you all the way through until we send you to beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. It looked nice there. I saw Gio posted some pictures. They played golf. The weather broke a little bit. Good for them. Looking forward to it. We'll get a little bit more into the game as we get closer to, the, uh, as we get closer to it. Get more into uh, some of the different angles of the game. I talked a little bit about the point spread. It's still two and a half. But we'll get more into some of the different matchups and some of the interesting things. Certainly more tomorrow than even today. But as we get closer to the game, we'll start to do that. But today is now officially, it is now officially the day of the NBA trade deadline today at 3 p.m. And the Knicks are on the clock. And that's really the story for me as we get started today. And looking at this game tonight, the injury, let's get that out of the way real quick. You just heard the update from Marco. Thankfully, it does sound pretty good about Brunson. Uh, just a uh, tweaked ankle, a slightly sprained ankle. I'm sure he's not going to play tonight. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect him to play in this game tonight against Dallas. Uh, obviously, the same thing with OG Ananobi. I Now they're calling a, a bone spur, uh, you know, uh, annoyance. I forget the word they use for it, but I guess it's more than just inflammation. There's an issue with some bone spurs in the elbow. He is now going to miss, what, a sixth consecutive game? And that's starting to, you know, make me nervous. I don't like this. He was in shoot-arounds. He was getting ready to play the game. And suddenly, oh, you know, his elbow's barking a little bit. Now it's been six games. He's already ruled out for tonight. I'm sure Brunson's not going to play. And it's probably going to be a tough go of it considering all the other issues. Hart's got the knee injury. Obviously, no Randall. Uh, it's going to be a tough game. I, again, they should absolutely not play Brunson. They can, they can live with one game. They've built themselves a cushion. They've played really well down the stretch here. I mean, what they've done since the beginning of January is remarkable. They, they're the story of the NBA, arguably. They've been terrific. Randall's been ter- has been terrific up to the injury. Brunson's been terrific. At, uh, you know what they did since the trade. You can afford to just mail in a game against Dallas, and I wouldn't even say mail it in. Not with Tibbs. He probably still won't go to the bench. And obviously that's the story as we head to the deadline and getting some depth and whether or not Tibbs would use it when they get it. But they absolutely need by 3 o'clock today, and I'm sure they will. The level, the question is, what level of player do they get? Because it sounds like if you listen to Woj, if you're watching SNY, you're reading reports, it sounds like the two names that have really been, uh, you know, 
focused here is Alec Burks and Bruce Brown. Now, Alec Burks, obviously, history with the Knicks, uh, is a a Tibbs kind of guy, can play the defense, shoots the three. He's actually shooting the three a little bit uh, worse than uh, his career this year, but he's been hot as of late. Uh, it, it's a nice fit, right? For me, it's, an, it's a nice fit. It makes sense. I heard uh, the friend, uh, the CP, the franchise on with Evan. He likes Burks. Yeah, if you remember him, you know, with his time with the Knicks, he's a good, solid player. Tibbs probably trusts him. He fits in, and that's really what makes me think it might be. I think Tibbs is running a lot of the show here uh, as far as, you know, players they'll bring in, especially if all things being equal, especially if they're trying to match contracts and you got Fournier. And do you have to give up a first-round pick for Burks? I don't know. Do you have to give up a first-round pick for Bruce Brown who won a championship last year? But – you know, ultimately, these guys are nice players. And that's really what I'm like. They they fit. They fit. But are they exactly what you need? I'm still looking. Like, Burks solves a couple. You know, you feel like he could score off the bench. He's averaging what? I think he's averaging about 12 points a game this year. Like, it's it's he's playing 20 minutes a night for the Pistons. I'm sure he'd be rejuvenated coming back to the Garden, coming back to this great story that is the New York Knicks in the moment. But, I mean, for me, it still doesn't fit. The same way some other guys do. Like for me, Brogdon still fits better. I want that no. I want that one. I want that guy that can be the you know come in and be the guy for Brunson when they have when they need him off the floor to run the offense. Yes, you want instant offense. Yes, you want someone who could shoot the three. Yes, you want someone who could play defense. Yes, you want someone you feel a little bit better. And listen, you could play him. You know, with Deuce. Uh, that would still work on the court. There's a lot of good things to those players. And ultimately, I trust the Knicks to do something. I don't think you can stand pat. Like, with all the injuries, with everything going on, the Knicks are going to have to do something today by 3 o'clock. There's just no way around it. The question is, how, and then and then there's the, the you know, do they go get Murray? Do they go really, uh, uh, you know, and go and try and get someone who really impacts even the starting lineup and moves DiVincenzo possibly to the bench to be a scorer off the bench and to do different things. Like, how much do the Knicks do right now to really bolster this team? And as much as I, I'm okay with all of it, and I understand the limitations, and I understand the idea that you want to still possibly go superstar chasing in the offseason next year, and I think that's probably where it is going to rely. That's where it's going to stay. I mean, you are not going to get a superstar here. I wouldn't expect it. You know, I don't think anything crazy is coming down the pike. That's more of a, a game-changing, team-changing scenario in the offseason. But right now, these pieces all work, but they don't excite me. Like, Burks doesn't excite me. Bruce Brown, very nice player, won a championship, plays in big games. I don't know if it excites me. Jordan Clarkson, I don't know. You know, Jordan Clarkson, I, I believe he's leading the NBA in, in points off the bench uh, he's a little bit, he, he excites me a little bit more. To me, the player is Brogdon. Brogdon's the guy who fits them perfectly. He can come in and run the one. He can come in and lead and run that second offense. And right now, as you get ready to go through a stretch, uh, who knows when OG's coming back. Obviously, I think Randall, once you get past this, I would imagine some of the, the Randall news has been has been tampered down and they're not saying everything there is until this trade deadline passes. Uh, but I would think that you are going to be, it's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long time before we see Julius Randle back with the Knicks. A long time. So right now, as they go through this stretch and they're battling inside this Eastern Conference, we talked about it yesterday, it's imperative that they go out there and do something. And so by 3 o'clock today, there will be a new Nick. The question is, what level of Nick? How much do they have to give up? 
Are you willing to get? Are they willing to give up first round picks? Are they are they are they willing to make the maneuvers necessary? Are they going to go out and get someone who fits? They're comfortable with, or are they going to go out there and try and? For me, Brogdon works best. There's some other guy. Clarkson's the better scorer of the bunch. Like, what level? Do the Knicks feel they need to bolster this roster? Do they also try and get a piece to add to some of the the depth in the front court as well and some of the bigs as they're dealing with injuries there? So a lot to decide by 3 o'clock today. And obviously they're going to do something. If they stand pat, I'd be shocked. But I really, as I look at it and you hear the different names, Alec Burke works, but he doesn't fit perfectly. He doesn't, I don't feel, I don't love him running the way. I guess he could do it. And he's someone who could shoot and play defense and, and helps the team better. And I trust, and I know Tibbs trust, but is it someone that fits the exact role they're looking for to get Brunson off the floor? Because that's really what we're talking about, right? That's what we're talking about when it comes to, we talked about it yesterday, Tibbs and the way he plays. Like, they, if he doesn't have, and we know he runs these guys into the ground anyway. Like, we know he loves to play these guys, and Brunson wants to play. And when Randall's back, he loves to play. And he and I understand that, but unlike almost any other team in the NBA, the Knicks have the shortest bench, the Knicks run their guys, the Knicks play everybody. They need to go give, and Rose needs to go give Thibodeau a legitimate guy who can come in and fill the role of Brunson. And some of the names I'm hearing, while yes, it adds to the depth, yes, it adds to the scoring off the bench. And that's what I mean, that's what you saw in the fourth quarter of the Laker game. They need someone who can put the ball in the basket necessarily. Because if DiVincenzo's off in that second unit right now, certainly without OG and you know with Brunson, if Brunson's off the floor, they don't have anywhere else to go get to go really get baskets. And even down the stretch sometimes, especially if there's like I said, a night where uh, DiVincenzo's not shooting well or they've got a, a you know a tall, long team or a good rim de- uh, defender like the Lakers have with Davis, like you double Brunson, and then from there, I don't know where you get your points. Achua's been great, right? Hartenstein's been great, but ultimately those guys, you can't, you can't trust them to go get a basket. You need someone you can trust to go get a basket. So, yeah, there's a couple of guys out there that, I, you know, the names have been bandied about who you feel better about going to give them the, the trust in going to get a basket, especially off the bench or even late-game situations if someone else is off. All right, yes, but is there that guy where you know, okay, I can, I can take Brunson off the floor and have a leader out there who can not only get points, but facilitate the offense and be the kind of guy I feel can keep the offense going while Brunson's gone, as opposed to just getting a basket, actually run the offense, facilitate it, and be that de facto number two point guard. That's what I'm looking for, as much as I'm looking for the points. And some of the names we're hearing now, I don't know if it fits that exact role. We haven't heard Brogdon really attached to him that much. Maybe there's a name we don't know of. Maybe there's something we can they can do that none of us are thinking about. But right now, that's the role I'm looking for. And for me, Malcolm Brogdon does that better than the other names we're talking about. So we'll get into the Knicks, obviously, as the trade deadline's at 3 o'clock. I want to talk about the Mets here, too, uh, as we take a second to uh, talk about moves that need to be made. And for the first time, I heard Stearns, he's on a podcast uh, foul territory, which has become a popular uh, podcast over the last few months here. Uh, and he's on foul territory talking about Pete Alonso. And for the first time, as much as, and we'll get into the fact that they need a freaking bat in the worst way, 
and that they've been at least in conversations with J.D. Martinez. It sounds like that. You listen to Andy Martino today, it sounds like they're a mile away, but still at least there's some recognition from the Mets on some level that they need another bat for this year and that this season freaking matters. Because the feeling you get a lot heading into this thing is that this year doesn't freaking matter. But let me tell you why I'm okay at the very least, and I actually liked what I heard from Stearns on Pete Alonso. I am in the camp that you re-sign Pete Alonso. I don't understand the different thought process. I don't. I know BT and BT's been on it for a while, and even he's got Sal convinced that it's best to move on from Pete Alonso. This is a guy who's an absolute stud in the middle of the lineup, who's a lock for 40 home runs, who is arguably the heart and soul of the team, and I guess that's up for interpretation whether or not that's a good thing or not. But this is this is the Mets guy. He's on his way to becoming the best position player in franchise history. He's an absolute beast. For the most part, he stays healthy. He's turned himself into one hell of a good first baseman, and he hits. He's going to hit forty home runs and drive in ninety-five to one hundred and ten RBIs with his eyes closed. That's the kind of player I'm looking to keep. And for me, I think it's imperative the Mets do it, especially considering who their owner is. And that's the reason why I feel better about what I've heard from Stearns in this podcast than I heard before. Because, one, he gives you the line that they are invested in Pete Alonso, right? So that's neither here nor there, right? It's, 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 it's nice to hear. I'm not calling him a liar. I take people at their word. I do think there's some interest in Pete Alonso. But here's the thing. When, when looking at this situation, I don't necessarily think you have to sign Pete Alonso to the extension. This is what people don't get. Right now, this year, they're treating this season like it's some sort of, you know, pathway to the future. Like, I've been very disappointed in what they've done in the rotation. I've been very disappointed in the idea that they are just now, finally, recognizing the idea that, you know, Beatty and Vientos aren't someone, you, you know, you don't have to give them each 600 at-bats to have answers on them. Like, you don't have to have both of them be in the middle of the lineup and be imperative pieces on the, on the success of the 24 Mets to find out about them for future prospects. You can, you can bring in a veteran bat and still get a look at those guys over the course of a long season of 162 games. So at least they're getting there. But if you look at it, Pete Alonso's under contract this year. That's not up for debate. And, and, and certainly with his agent, he's hitting free agency. And that's fine. Because when you have an owner like this, you have now emerged. You talk about it, right? When he first came here, it's like, welcome. Heavy lies the crown. You are now a member of the exclusive club that is the Los Angeles Dodgers, that is the New York Yankees, where you you don't fear losing players. And that's why, like, I'm starting to believe, like, everyone thought, oh, if you don't know, I know, I know uh, Evans made the, the beard bet. You're looking to extend him. You want to extend him. Pete wants to be a Met. Why don't you extend him? Why don't you extend him? Be like the Braves. They're so smart. Uh, you, you're seeing Altuve just got an extension. Uh, Witt Jr. just got an extension with Kansas City. Why aren't the Mets extending Pete Alonso? Why? Because they don't have to. Let Pete Alonso play it out. And you want to you have a comparison? How about Aaron Judge? All right, it felt like there was maybe some bad blood built up from Cashman and Judge. But ultimately, what happened? What happened was, and this is the key on what makes 24 important to me, like, let's have Alonzo play with a chip on his shoulder. Let's have Alonzo go out there and try to prove to the Mets he's worth being the franchise cornerstone for the next seven to nine years. Like, you are going to get the best out of Pete Alonso here if you keep him 
hungry for that deal. And if you're the Mets, you don't fear anyone else. Who's going to come and outbid you for Pete Alonso? You worried about the Yankees? They have their own guy in in uh, Juan Soto to worry about. The Dodgers have Freddie Freeman at first base. Like, I wouldn't be worried at all. Let this situation play out. It plays out for the year. Whether if he has a great year, great. You've just really impacted this year's team, which for me still freaking matters. I'd like to win this year. Call me crazy. I don't care about projections that have me at 82 wins. I don't care about the, you know, I don't care. I want to go out there and win. I saw a Diamondback team that I could argue the, the, the Mets are just as good as, if not better, besides maybe the starting rotation. That what the hell, once I get in there, anything's possible. Let's be honest. The, the, the two stalwarts of the National League, besides a couple of years ago, winning the World Series of the Braves, look what they've done in the postseason over the last handful of years. The Dodgers, as great as they've been, they've won one World Series since 1988, and the Braves have absolutely folded the last two years in the playoffs. I want to get into a playoff series and see what happens to get the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, I don't think there's a chance they can catch them in the division. Yes, the Atlanta Braves are a better regular season team. They'll probably win close to 100 games and beat out the Mets by 10, 15 games in the post, in the uh, in the standings. Doesn't mean anything when you get into a five-game series. means absolutely nothing, and it certainly helps if you have Pete Alonso hitting three home runs in a five-game series. Like, for me, I want a motivated Pete Alonso to help this team. This team still matters to me. And then when you get to the offseason, you pay him. If he has a bad year, his value just went down, and you get him for a better bargain because, let's be honest, I still expect him to be the guy who hits 40 home runs every year, even if this year is a down year or injury-plagued year. Then you might get him on the cheap. And if he balls out, then he balls out, and you have an owner who can give him the money, and maybe, just maybe, he gave this team the best opportunity to go out there and win a couple games, make a wild card, and be dangerous in a postseason. And maybe because you played so well and Alonzo has kept you afloat along with the rest of the team, now you can go attack the trade deadline and maybe get a pitcher that transforms your team. I want, to me, the best case scenario is a motivated Pete Alonso helping this Met team win, and then the owner who's willing, you know, who has more money than anybody in baseball, ponying up and paying your superstar for his baseman. Call me crazy. But that's how the Mets should handle it. You don't have to give extensions. The Atlanta Braves feel like they have to give extensions to make it work. You're seeing Kansas City, teams like that. Uh, even though the Padres went crazy with money, they gave a long-term extension to Tatis once he hit and once he became somewhat productive. And that's fine, and in certain circumstances, it benefits all teams, small market, big market alike. But the benefit the big markets have is they can wait throughout the contract, get as much information about a player as possible, and then if he's earned a contract, you give it to him. And Pete Alonso, I have no doubt, has already earned this contract and will continue to earn this contract And then you have a player who can actually help you in a year that I'm not ready to just, you know, dismiss and wait for all the prospects that you've you've built up to hit in 25-26, which is the dumbest plan I've ever heard. So for once, like, you know, it's not necessarily he said anything extra interesting in that interview, but I think they are committed to sign Pete Alonso. And I don't think giving them extension was necessary. Not giving them an extension is a, view, a window into their thought process. I think it's smart business. I understand he could hit free agency, and I understand his market value could go up. You know what? Who cares? Not when you have this owner. Not when you have this owner. That's the whole point. That's, what, that's the benefit you have. 
Pete Alonso ups his value over $50 million, having a tremendous year and maybe playing well into the playoffs. Well, you just benefited from that that year, and you are not hampered or hindered in any way to be the team that gives him that money. 877-337-6666. So we start with the Knicks and the deadline about 15 hours away. What do they do? What do they do? They're going to do something. What level do they do it? Do they try and shoot for the stars and get a Murray out of Atlanta? Or do they go back to old reliable Alec Burke and a nice player and someone who's going to help them? I'm sure whoever they get will help them with scoring off the bench. But is it the exact role I'm looking for to give Tibbs a legitimate reason to keep Brunson off the floor? Because, honestly, we can complain all we want. We can complain all we want about load management and it's killing the NBA and they're making rules all around it. We hate it, and even Buck Showalter, right? I, I didn't even get into that yesterday. Maybe we can get into that over the course of the show. Buck Showalter popping his head up in a in a in foul territory, the same podcast the next day, talking about load management and the problem with you know front uh, front offices coming down and telling you who to play and when to play and not to play. Oh, he ran too much. Everyone's too everyone's focused on load management. Well, when Brunson's being run into the ground and playing forty four minutes a night. And needs to be on the floor when they're up 27 points in the fourth quarter. Well, then suddenly you feel like, hey, what the hell is Tibbs doing? Which goes back to his M.O. going back to his days in Chicago with Der- with Derrick Rose. So for me, yes, you need scoring off the bench. But I'd love to get the guy who could be the one. I'd love to have that legit backup point guard. And some of the names I'm hearing, I don't know if that fits the exact exact role I'm looking for, but they do need scoring off the bench as well. So they'll do something. It's just a matter of what it is. Why don't you tell me what you think? And then Pete Alonzo. Stearns has spoken, and I think I think the Mets are interested in Pete. I think the Mets are just taking the smart road here. Let him play this year out and then take the richest owner in baseball's money and go pay the man. And that's part of the reason why they probably didn't give a lot of contracts out this year because they're going to be in the market to go steal Juan Soto from the Yankees and they know they have to pay Pete Alonso. And that's how you do it. I still think they could pay money this year. I would like to see more. Go give J.D. Martinez a one-year contract. What's stopping you? The Mets need to focus a little bit more on 2024 as they look to the future. Rightfully so, but let's focus a little bit more on 2024. And we'll focus on it right now. The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. All right, 1231. McMonagle with you. On our five-hour midnight ride, taking you all the, all the way to 5 o'clock. The other thing I forgot to mention we'll get into is the Rangers. And that's three consecutive games, two since the break, where it really became obvious, and the coach talked about giving Igor some time. But two consecutive wins, three overall, with quick and goal. Is it a thing? Oh, it's a thing. 877-337-6666. So we'll get to the Rangers and their goalie situation. We'll get to the Giants. We'll get to the Super Bowl. We start with Alonzo and the Knicks as the two topics here. Mike in Kings Park. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, T-Mac? Great opening. Oh, thank you, buddy. What's up? Uh, nothing. I'm just, I totally agree with you with the Knicks, too. I, I, I think Brogdon's a great fit for them. I was really hoping, but it seems like they're kind of like, you know, just from what's out there, it's, 
and really not too attached to that. Haven't you know. haven't heard his name. Totally agree. Uh, it was a more of just an argument of convenience early, like a couple weeks ago when I think it was like right at that time they played Portland, and it just felt like he was a, he was the name that was going to be out there that would fit the Knicks, and I'm still on it. So I mean, it's just. If I'm on, if I'm the Knicks, if I'm Rose, I'm trying. I think he's a player that fits them a little bit better. But you're right; they haven't really been connected to him, and the reports are kind of that it's not that he's off the market or that they won't deal him. It just it sounds like he's most likely to stay. Yeah, that's what I heard too. Uh, I wouldn't like same thing. I wouldn't mind Clarkson. It you know it gets me a little more excited than Burke. Just yes, gives score a little bit better. But yeah, uh, you know the thing that worries me, like you said, is like what the Lakers, a team with length. Even in the playoffs, when we're, if, you know, assuming we're back to full strength, yeah, like I want Brunson taking the big shots in crunch time, and yep. everyone's going to try to get the ball out of his hands. And you know, I, I like Randall, and I think he played hurt in the playoffs. So I give the benefit of the doubt. Yep. Um, but the defensive uh-huh. intensity in the playoffs seems to bother him a little bit with his decision making and turnovers a little bit. Yeah, it just worries me a little bit. No I doubt. really want. I want Brunson taking those shots. No doubt. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. You want Brunson taking the shots. I do. Th- uh, listen, there's no arguing. I mean, Randall in the playoffs has legitimately been bad. Um, right. So whether it's injuries, whether it's suddenly adjusting to crowds, that was the issue in, in the Atlanta series a couple of years back. Um, he just hasn't been the same type of player. Now, and you mentioned health. I don't know what kind of health he's going to be in. I mean, I'm assuming – He'll have enough time to, I don't know about fully heal, but be in a position where it hopefully won't be a, a major problem in his shoulder. But who knows? He could be dealing with something this the entire rest of the year. That's probably likely, in fact. So, <clears throat> although it does give them another option, and that's the thing, like, you can't just double team. I understand what you're saying. You want him taking the shot, but I, you, our fear is that he gets double teamed. Like, you talked about that in, in what the Lakers seem to do. The Lakers double teamed uh, Brunson, made him get rid of the ball, and then they were unable to get into the paint, which is where, unless he's shooting wide-open threes, that's where Hart wants to score. That's where Achua wants to score. That's where Hartenstein wants to score. Like, And if you have length and you have someone who can defend the rim the way Davis does, you double-team Brunson, you make it very difficult to score. Now, that's without OG. That's without Randall. I think those right. are two legitimate options where hopefully they'll be available to go come playoff time, and it'll make it a little bit harder to just double-team uh, Brunson. But... You would like someone who can uh, adjust the scoring, but for me, like it's it's tough because I don't expect like whoever they get, I don't necessarily them expect it to 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 crack that late minutes. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you're talking yeah. about like if your if your concern is him getting the final shot of a game, I don't think the difference between Brooks uh, Burks and Brogdon make a difference in that. You know what I'm saying? I just want him fresh, like you said. That's like, that's the thing. That that's <laughs> he can't be playing these minutes for this long if we're going to have a fresh Brunson in the fourth quarter, you know, in, you know, hopefully May, June, you know, in crunch time with That's fresh legs thing. to make these shots. Totally, him, agree, you know. to- totally agree. And, and, I, and I'll even say this, like, you know, the amount of minutes and everything, uh, they can lead to injuries. I know the, the ankle thing. Uh, it could happen at any moment, but that's, I think that's part of fatigue too. Cause it was just a misstep. Sometimes, you know, you don't, your legs are a little bit tired, and the leg doesn't go quite as far as you thought it was before you stop or turn. Like, you know, it's just it's just he needs to – again, it doesn't have to be load management where he misses, you know, he only plays three games, you know, out, out of every four or something like that. But there's got to be – there's got to be someone who – and especially with the way the Knicks have been playing, the Knicks have been in a lot of blowouts. The Knicks yeah. right now against bad teams are – 
just they're they they're when they step into a game where they're better than the other team clearly those those games got out of hand that's how the Knicks have been playing their their intensity especially to start games or or in the third quarter quarter to start second halves like it's been crazy where they pull out into these great leads and you have to have someone that you can feel can finish a game or keep keep a big lead like without having to go to Brunson every time you know if you if a 27 point lead becomes a 14 point lead you shouldn't have to panic to right. get Brunson back on the floor. Like, there's got to be someone who can step in and be that guy. And so that's why, like, you know, Clarkson and Burks, like, they can give you that scoring and, and, and give you that element of the quickly uh, dismissal with the trade. But I don't know if he gives you exactly the kind of facilitating, run the point, be the leader of that second unit as much as, like, a Brogdon type would. So we'll see what happens. They're going to do something. They're going to do something to help bolster this team because they deserve it and, you know, they need it. So we'll yeah. see what happens. A hundred percent. Real quick on Alonzo. I, thankfully, I listened to you because I was listening to BT and Sal going into that. And I just, I don't understand this, like, oh, let's trade him and try to get him back. Like, he's, you're right. He, he's on pace to be the best position player that the Mets had, that's a homegrown guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Sal was, like, very dismissive of him having a shot at the Hall of Fame. I, listen, Maybe he's could you know he's have a lot of work to do, but I wouldn't say he has no shot at being a Hall of Famer. He, of, uh, the guy has absolutely not. not. Of course, why why would you dismiss him? Like again, listen, the Hall of Fame is for the uh, special few, but right. I mean, and I know he plays a position where his numbers aren't necessarily you know crazy, but I mean, he's played one, two, forget and and forget twenty twenty because that's going to be a very difficult year to judge. One, two, three, four full seasons. He's played four full seasons. He's hit 40 home runs, three of the four, 51 of the four. He's got over 90 RBIs in every single one of them. He's got, uh, uh, you're telling me this is a guy who has, it's dismissive that he wins the, that he could be in the Hall of Fame. He won rookie of the year, hit 53 home runs, 120 RBIs, finished seventh in the MVP voting. He was an all-star. Then in 2021, 37, 94. Then, then forty one thirty one, forty six one eighteen. Those are Hall of Fame numbers. I agree. Every and, one of those. And who he's hit got, behind him? He's got and and exactly right. He's got four years of Hall of Fame numbers, and he's only played four years. So I mean, if he has a ten year career and put that's a Hall of Fame career. To dismiss him as a Hall of Famer is silly. Now, look, it's a, I'm not telling you he is a Hall of Famer. Anything can happen. Nor do I right. make judgments on keeping a player or not based on whether they s- specifically can get to the Hall of Fame. But, I mean, you are talking about a guy who, with his eyes closed, hits 40 home runs and drives in 120. I mean, those, they don't grow on trees. Yeah, I agree. I just think it says something about, like, what's the point of having the richest owner in baseball where you have a guy who could clearly help any team win He's a premier power hitter in Major League Baseball. That's from your franchise, a fan favorite guy, and you're trying to say you want to win a you want to win a World Series in the next whatever he said four years, whatever. Well, the window's closing on that. I, I, I don't see how they don't get this done with Alonzo and he stays a Met and get a five get get a lineup. You know, you could build with him. Get a five hitter behind him mm-hmm. and go out and try to win a championship with this guy in the middle of the lineup. It doesn't yeah. make sense to me. It, do, it doesn't make and thank you for the call, Mike. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Like I, I don't. It's not. There's no reason for a, a tear down or a rebuild. You want to do certain things, fine. Like even if you want to pause on this year a little bit, which I hate. But even if you want to do that, you can still build and then pay Pete Alonso. 
I, I don't understand it. It's just money. It's an uncapped sport. I know there's a luxury tax, but I don't, I don't, like, I'd really have to sit down with, like, and I've heard it a little bit. Like, I don't understand what, what about the player do you not like? Now, look, last year he hit 217, right? And his OPS, the his rookie year was 941, which is an incredible OPS. That's really his big, that was his best year. Now, again, and the ball was juiced that year. But this is a guy who plays 161, 152, 160, 154. I mean, he plays every single game. He His lowest batting average was this year at 217. I'm hoping that's a bit of an anomaly. I don't think he's a, he's a 260 hitter. He's a career 251 hitter. I think he's somewhere between a 250 and a 260 hitter on most years. He had that injury that hampered him this year, and that's why, for me, he had that hand injury. And then coming back from that, his average really dipped. But he hit 46 home runs, drove in 118 RBIs. And he's a, and he's a good first baseman. He's not a gold glover. He's not Keith Hernandez or Don Mattingly, but he's a legitimately solid. He's not going to hurt you at first base. And he's arguably the best home run hitter in all of baseball. I don't think any since 2019, I don't believe anyone's hit more home runs. I don't I don't understand why you'd want to move on from him or how he hampers your ability to win or build with a team. And I've said this a bunch. There are two things. When I when, if I'm a Met fan and I finally get out from the tyranny of the Wilpons and they get Steve Cohen to buy the team and he's the richest owner in baseball and it's a passion project and he's a Met fan, he's worth thirteen billion, whatever the case may be. When I know I have that as an owner, to the point where the rest of the Major League Baseball was scared and they needed Sandy Alderson to come in holding his hand through the process to make them all feel better. When you get that kind of owner, there are two things that I never worry about. And for whatever reason, this year, I've worried about both of them. And that's why, like, you know, Met fans think I'm a troll. I'm not. I'm, I'm pissed off for you. I'm pissed. Yeah, and I get on the Yankees too. I'm pissed. I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm. If I were a Met fan right now, I would tell you I'd be pissed because there's two specific things that I should never have to worry about again, and I feel like I'm worried about them. Both. One is I never punt on a season. I never. Now listen, there are years where you know things just don't work out necessarily. I don't say you have to win every single year. That's why I give the Yankees so much credit because it's remarkable how much winning they've done. But I very rarely, and especially with Cohen's money, uh, there is no reason, especially with the added playoff team, there is no reason to not give yourself at least a you know a, a, a marketable chance to be one of the better teams in the National League, and to just put forward the rotation they have instead of going to give Montgomery money makes no sense to me. So I I should never feel like they they punted on a season, and I feel like they punted. And then, two, I should never have to worry about re-signing my homegrown excellent baseball players. Like, that should never happen. The Yankees should have never come that close to lose. I mean, they didn't, so. But you, you can't lose Judge. Right? That's why if I were a Red Sox fan, I understand they've won more championships over the last 15 years or 20 years going back to 04. I get it. But I can't. I, can you imagine trading Mookie Betts? 
Like, I should, ne- as a big market team that spends money with a rich owner, I should never have to worry about losing Pete Alonso. I should never have to worry about losing Aaron Judge. I should never have to worry about losing Mookie Betts. I should never have to worry about losing Mike Trout. I should never have to worry about losing Otani. Like, if, if I'm a big market team, I should never have to worry about that. We pay ours. And right now, I think they I think they are punting on this year. And I, as as much as I'm not necessarily worried about it, it's clearly at least a conversation and a thought process that they could move on from Pete Alonso. I don't I don't see the logic in it. I don't I don't see I don't see how it makes them better. What do you I mean? What, you're going to trade Pete Alonso at the deadline? What do you think you're going to get? What, what do you th- you think you're going to transform your team with a Pete Alonso trade? And then what, to save money next year? And what, I guess go get Juan Soto at 26? You can do both. You can do both. Go get Pete Alonso and Juan Soto. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? I, I'm, I'm ba- I don't understand it, to be honest with you. Joe in Smithtown. What's up, Joe? Hey, what's up, C-Mac? What's up, First buddy? First chance getting to listen to you since you made the uh, shift the overnight. So, oh, good. Well, thank uh, you for joining had, in. I had to call it. Yeah, so I'm in lockstep with you on your on your Mets take. Uh, I really don't know what, what what there is to be scared of that someone can can go and sh- uh, sign Pete Alonso and compete with with what Cohen has to offer. I don't I don't really see the no, logic in well, moving on from him. And I'm, that's the question. I don't think there's any thought of someone. If the Mets want him, they'll get him. The question is, do the Mets want him? Yeah, and I don't. I, I think I, at least from what you know, the history of David Stearns is, is I think he's a good enough baseball mind to see you know what we have in this kid. So uh, you know, my, my faith is wholeheartedly with Stearns. Maybe maybe a little bit too blindly, but uh, I, I can't see the logic. So I hope you know he's got a similar mindset as me. Um, but on your on your next point, I, I think a, a big topic of conversation going into today's deadline is going to be. The asking price for for one of these players that moves the needle. Yeah, uh, you've been hearing guys like Murray and guys like Brogdon are going to have a two first round pick and an expiring contract asking price. And, and to be honest, I don't know if I'm willing to to give that up as a Knicks team. You know, because I think there's this perceived sense of urgency with all the injuries that are going on right now, and and, and we're going to wind up giving away you know too much, too much, and, and hampering our ability to get. Yeah. You know, that next big piece that we're all dreaming of this offseason. Well, um, I think Leon Rose has been patient, and, and look where we've been. We've been screaming about a, a superstar for years, and, well, and yeah, finally that, we were patient and got one. But. Well, that's the thing. The thing is, do you feel like you have that superstar where you don't need to go out and make that superstar trade, and now it's just about putting the right role players around your superstar? Like, has, right. has Brunson become the superstar that you no longer need to go trade for? I, I think so. I think so. Oh, well, then I, if, I just, and so I then think, if your answer is think so, then what are you worried about? Why not go out and give this team right now that has shown unbelievable, like, like who knows what they'll be like next year. They might not go on a 16-3 and stretch over a 19 game at any point next year. Like right now, they look like one of the more dangerous teams in the NBA. I know they're dealing with injuries. You're expecting Randall back. I don't know the, the severity of the OG injury, although it's starting to scare me now that he's going to miss six games. Uh, but ultimately, like, why not bolster this team? What, you think you're going to have a better crack at it next year? How do you know that? Uh, I, you don't. I mean, you, there's you a time. A there's a time ball, to be but... patient. I agree, and they were. And and Brunson's become way better than anybody thought. But at, at some level, like when you start to play like this, when they when they're doing right. what they're doing, 
you have to try and give this team a chance. And if you're, you're telling me, I don't I don't think a Brogdon would take two first-round picks. Brogdon might take the first-round pick. You give away the Fournier contract. The other thing with Bruce Brown is I believe he would be an expiring contract. So if you trade for Bruce Brown and and give away uh, Fournier, he, you would still have a Bruce Brown that you could trade in the offseason. Right. So, like that, that was the that, I forgot his name. That was the guy I was thinking of too, as, as someone yeah. that I I'd want to see. Um, if, you, if you can get Bruce, yeah, the, Bruce Brown's another, you know, Bruce Brown, and then he gives you the benefit of still being an asset that you can involve in a trade for a, a bigger player in the offseason. Right, but I, I'm thinking of the value of what a first round pick would get me, and if I'm if I'm giving that up, I I would hope to be getting someone that's going to be on the floor in the fi- final five minutes of a playoff game. And to me, anyone that we go after now to give up a first-round pick for is not going to be that guy. It's going to be a guy that spells Brunson, you right. know, in the third. And, and, well, and, I mean, and, I understand you know, that, but that, but that's, but then that's the question: is is it worth a guy who helps you get the best Brunson five minutes left in the game, or 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 yeah, do you, I, or do you not do that and have a rundown forty-eighth uh, minute Brunson where you, you don't you know yeah. in game seven of a series that he's been carrying the team. Like that's yeah. that that's the thing. Like I hear what you're saying. You're right. I don't think anyone they trade for right now. And I said the last caller mentioned, you know, big sh- the last second shot, yeah. last possession game on the line. You want Brunson shooting it. This trade's not going to impact that un- unless you look at it deeper and say that it impacts it because Brunson will be, you know, more uh, rested, and you might get a better Brunson because he hasn't had to been run into the ground the first three games of the series because. You know, a 15-point lead is something they can't feel like they can hold on to. And now, look, here's the thing, too. I We don't even know. Like if they make this move, Tibbs might not care. <laughs> you know, Tibbs is the kind of guy right now and the kind of coach where he might not – he might just play him anyway. Like, he's got to change his thought process a little bit Especially with the way they're playing, and you know, and how important you know Brunson is to this team. We all hate load management. I get it; it's a dirty word. The NBA has literally tried to you know weed it out or penalize teams for doing it. Fine, no one likes it. I don't like it. But on some level, there are moments here where it's just I'm concerned that Brunson's carrying too much of the load. So would I trade for this team right now? Would I trade a first round pick? To get someone I feel a hell of a lot more confident in who can, you know, spell Brunson and still feel like the team can work offensively. And I, I I don't have to have him on the floor every time the game's within, you know, 15 points in the fourth quarter. Or if I get into a long series with a with a, you know, uh an Indiana to start, or then obviously a, a Milwaukee or a Boston. If I get into a long series with them, a hard fought series with them. Do I want you know Brunson to play every minute of every game? Like there are, there is a benefit to making a trade where you get someone who is a, a legitimate leader of a second unit. There is a benefit to that, and for me, yeah, it's worth a one, especially for what, right? I mean, it's not going to be a great pick. It's not. It's not going to be top of the draft. Nick and Mineola, what's up, Nick? Hey, Chris, how are you? Good, how are you, buddy? Good, good. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. So I want to talk about Pete Alonso a little bit here uh, and, you know, why the Mets should actually lock him up. Um, just from, like, a player perspective, right, if he's already got a contract and he's already getting paid, first and foremost, he can definitely focus all his attention on baseball 
and playing the game as opposed to worrying about a contract that may or may not come. Um, and also injuries, right? You know, if you're a player and there's a potential for you to get injured and not be paid yet, well, now you're worried, right? Like, he's not going to crowd the plate because why should I? I might get hurt. I'm not doing that. Or what about not going first to third, not hustling? I don't want to pull a hammy. So, I don't know. I think, I think we should lock him up. Yeah, I, 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 dis- I disagree with your thought process. He's trying to win. He's trying to earn a contract. Do you think playing timid is how he's going to earn a contract? If if he th- he's, no, he's going to try he's going to try and hit home runs. Aaron Judge was in the same situation. He had sixty two home runs the year of. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about it forever. Contract year means best year of career. That's what we've. That's like you're on a contract year. You're trying to perform to make money. He's going to be out there looking to earn as much money as possible and make the Mets write him as big a contract. He's not going to. Sh- he's he's not going to. He, uh, yes, there's a, a a fear of injury, no doubt. Uh, but no, I, I think quite the opposite. I think he's going to go out there and play his best baseball of his career. Okay, fair enough. And, no, and no, I mean, that's just—I think that's typically what we've seen. He's going to go out there and try and earn money. Yeah, the injury problem, but that, but the injury issue is part of the reason why I, I don't want to. Get, what if he gets injured and I just saved myself a hundred million dollars? Right. Well, I mean, there's insurance for that too. No, I mean. Well, no, I'm no, I'm just no. I mean, on some level, no, but what I'm saying is to say he gets injured this year and now the contract, if he goes out there, like if Aaron Judge, let's use Aaron Judge for example, the year Aaron Judge had a contract year, he had 63 home runs, was the MVP, and it was unbelievable, and the initial offer of, of 260 or whatever it was got bumped up $100 million, and they had to pay him $100 million more. Now, what if Pete Alonso, what if, what if uh, Judge got hurt like he did this year, last year, they would have signed him to a deal still because he's a great player, but they would have paid him a hell of a lot less than 360 because he was coming off another injury season. Same thing with Pete Alonso. If Pete Alonso goes down and misses half the year, you might save yourself a lot of money on a big contract as opposed to locking him up now. Or he might cost you more money if he has a great year, but that's then you incentivize him to go play great right now. Like I think it's a, it's a win-win for a team that can afford to pay. Like I, I'm incentivizing him to have a great year, and if he has a great year, yeah, I got to pay him more. But I just benefited from him having a tremendous season. And if he gets hurt or has a bad year, well, now I don't have to pay him nearly as much as I thought I'd have to, and I still get a great player who probably just had a down year or an injury plagued year, and I'm going to get the same player moving forward for a lot less money. Like I think it's a win-win to not sign him when you have the money. Now, if you're a lesser market team, or you see. Like, you know, if you're Kansas City, yeah, you don't want to take the risk that 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 Witt Jr. is an un- unbelievable player for the next four years and then gets close enough to free agency and says, nah, you know, I'm good. I'll hit free agency and make, you know, $400 million because I came up as a young kid. And like, the same thing with Soto. They tried to lock Soto up, and he got too close to free agency and realized the money he was going to make. Like to me at this point right now, I, I makes no sense to lock up Pete Alonso. I would not lock up Pete Alonso. I would let him play this year out. I would let him play this year out and then pay him. But I'm paying him. He's staying. He's a Met. If I'm running the Mets, there is no sir. It is it, it, there is almost no circumstance he's not a Met. Unless he's extremely unfair with his contract, and I mean, I but I don't know who's going to pay him more if he's being unfair. Like, I don't know who would match it. Unless he doesn't want to be here, Pete Alonso's a Met for the rest of his career. 
That's how I'm treating it. There's no doubt about it. Pete Alonso is 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 a cornerstone of my franchise. It's just a matter of how much I got to pay him. If he hits 60 home runs and and drives in 145 and the and the the he's hitting home runs in the NLCS, then he's making a hell of a lot more money than I could than I could get him under contract right now, I suppose. But if he has a down year and hits 25 home runs and drives in 80 and only plays 100 games, now I got him for less money. But I want to incentivize him to have a big year, and then I know I can pay him whatever the situation is. And that doesn't hurt me. It doesn't hurt me. It doesn't cost me draft picks because he's my guy when I sign him in free agency. Like, it's just there's no – like, I don't understand the – how do the Mets get better letting Pete Alonso go? How do the Mets get better trading Pete Alonso? Honestly, who are they going to get? Mookie Betts is a better player than Pete Alonso. There's without no question. Mookie Betts is a better player. They got Jeter Downs and Verdugo. Jeter Downs can't make the major leagues, and Verdugo's off the team, and the Red Sox celebrated it. You can't trade players like this. You will never get back what you should. It will never work out. Pete Alonso will be the far better player of anyone you get back. It's how it works. It's typically how it works. And I ain't messing around. And I'm not depriving my fans of an all-time great Hall of Fame player that might have a statue in my building someday. And make no mistake about it, we can say all we want about how he's flawed. He's not perfect. 53-120, which led Major League Baseball, and 46-118. He's had four years of 162-game seasons, and he's ne- he's hit his, his low is 37 home runs and 94 RBIs. <laughs> okay. Let me, oh, let me rush to get rid of him. 